I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 19. We are continuing this summer our journey through uh, selected uh, psalms, and Psalm 19 is what we'll look at this morning. As you recall, last week we looked at Psalm 4, and we're reminded there that we see the goodness of God, the primary source of all good, through many secondary goods. Every good thing that we enjoy ultimately points us back to the goodness of God. We saw that last week and also realized that ultimately we not only want to see God's goodness through those secondary joys and goods, we also want to remember that God himself is our ultimate good to be treasured above and beyond all secondary goods. As we look this week, we'll continue seeing how God shows us himself through means that he's provided. In this case, God's creation, the created order around us, how we see God's glory through that, and also through his commands. That these are two lenses, two mirrors, through two ways that we see a reflection of who God is. So I invite you to read along with me, Psalm 19. The Psalms are kind of right in the middle of your Bible there. And you can remain seated today. It's a little bit longer passage. I'll read it for you and you'll see clearly. These two delineations of how we see God through creation and see God through his good, gracious commands. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving its chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and altogether righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, and shall, then I shall be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray again. O Father, we do ask that you would come and be our teacher today. And as you tell us here that you reveal yourself to us through your creation and your commands, come and reveal yourself to us today that we might see more of you and savor the goodness of who you are, that we might walk more with you and know of your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, help us to have a little spiritual driver's education class today as we look at this passage and think about what it's teaching us. Think for a minute about the last time, put yourself in the driver's seat, that you had to travel down the road and attempt, while moving along at a good speed, to merge across multiple lanes of a busy highway traffic. Picture that experience, that feeling. Imagine trying to do that, not only without the benefits of those rearview mirrors, but without the benefit of being able to see out of the windshield in front of you. Be next to impossible, wouldn't it? To be able to successfully move across that traffic without hurting yourself or hurting somebody else as you're traveling down the road. The windshield is, of course, the most necessary thing that you want to be able to see out of because it provides you the most important, most necessary information of what's ahead of you. Those rearview mirrors aren't bad, though, either. Now, they will confess that some objects in them are closer than they appear. And there's that pesky blind spot, so they've got some weaknesses, but they're pretty important as well. Particularly if you're trying to get somewhere, traveling at speed, maybe in a busy car with friends and folks talking to you or children on board. It's really important to be able to see clearly out of that windshield and see clearly through those rearview mirrors. We look at Psalm 19 today. The same is true for us in this passage, as it describes to us the windshield of God's commands, the clearest and directest, most direct presentation of who God is in His character, and then also the rearview mirrors of God's creation, where we can see even more of God's glory. We know that the windshield's most important for us, God's commands, because it reveals to us how we can have a relationship with God and who God is teaches us that, and we can't find that from anywhere else. We've got to have God's Word tell us that. Those rearview mirrors are good, too, though, of all that we see around us, from the hills to the skies to the way that God has made each one of us individually. We see God's stamp, evidence of His handiwork all around us. These things speak to us about who God is, about His nature And if we would hope to travel through the road of life and get to our destination successfully, many of us with friends and little ones along the way, our journey, and with distractions of a busy life to pull us away from the road, we really, really need to look clearly out that windshield and look clearly in the rearview mirrors as well. If you want to follow along with where we're headed as we walk through this passage a bit, there's a section at the end of your worship guide that's got an area for notes and an outline. I think the main idea then, based on what I've just said, based on what's in this passage, is that God graciously, kindly, out of His love for us, reveals Himself through His creation and His commands. Because He has taken time to do that, We do well to look for Him, to seek Him through those vehicles. 
So I ask you today, where are we seeing, looking, observing, praising God as we see him around us in his creation? And where are we, this is maybe even a harder one, more difficult, where are we seeing, praising, giving thanks to God for his commands, for his law? It's an interesting psalm to read and to ask ourselves where we line up with what the psalmist says. Well, let's talk first about those rearview mirrors. Let's talk about what this passage says about creation. We see it here in verses 1 through 6. It's conveniently broken right in half, this Psalm And verse 1 is pretty clear for us. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. It's just telling us that if we would look around us, whether it's the beauty of these Birmingham hills and trees, or whether it's just the intricacies of uh, humanity, whether it's the way that God has ordered and structured things. Some of us are going vacations this time of the year, and it's hard to sit in front of that beautiful, tremendous ocean and not have some sense that there's some power, there's some being that we ought to recognize in it. Of course, the challenge for us is that we wrestle in the world at large with sort of two errors related to this. One is being primitive, and one is being sophisticated. The primitive perspective is just this, and it's been there since God created things and since man walked away from him, is that some will look at the things around us, whether it be the stars or the moon or the sun, and actually be moved to bow down and worship those things as divine beings. Now, we look at that in our sort of modern, sophisticated mindset here in America and perhaps in the West and say, well, that's not a good perspective. Those folks are way off. Pat ourselves on the back with our sophisticated mindset. Yet the interesting thing is that the degree to which we're prone to bow down and worship the created things around us to serve them instead of God, that's prevalent. And the people who we would categorize as primitive at least see in creation something beyond just what is man-made, something beyond what's just before us. So primitive, sophisticated. We might not be in as good shape as sophisticated people as we think. I like what C.S. Lewis says when he pulled all this together for us. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun, S-U-N, has risen. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, the sun, but because by it I see everything else. God says we should begin to look for his handiwork at every turn around us. So whether we're planting some plants in the yard or whether we're involved in engineering and designing a construction project in our work or whether we're focusing on little ones and how to raise them or how to teach them and nurture them and figuring out who they are or we're in medicine and figuring out the intricacies of the human body, all of those things are opportunities for us to praise and give glory to God for his handiwork in creation. 
What's things look like for you and me today in those rearview mirrors? The psalm invites us to give praise to God for those things. But it takes it even one step forward, further as I finish this first point for us. Romans chapter 1, if you want to turn there with me, that would be fantastic. It's all the way at the back or towards the back of your Bible after Luke and John and Acts. There's this book, Romans, that the Apostle Paul wrote. And he said something interesting here in these verses for us to consider today. Beginning in verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. He says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Okay, well, all right, if we know anything about the biblical perspective, we understand that God is indeed upset with sin because he's a holy God, and he's desired, as we'll talk in a minute, to rectify that by sending his son Christ. So we, we understand that, okay. But listen to where this unrighteousness and ungodliness comes from. What's the seed that this plant grows up out of verse 19 for what can be known about God is plain to them plain to everyone he's saying because God has shown it to them his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world he's saying everybody can see it and the things that have been made so they're without excuse we're all without excuse for although they knew God They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. What's the Apostle Paul telling us there? He's telling us that it's really important that we not be blinded to what God's trying to show us even through the created order around us, that we're accountable even to that knowledge that's shown to us. So we should praise God and look to him in it. And he's shown us that, the beauty of his creation, in this way, in sending his own son. He doesn't send out just an idea, a spiritual idea. He doesn't send some sort of angelic being who's not really human. Do you ever think about this? Why does Jesus have to be fully man? Well, part of what God is doing there is he's affirming that although the created order is fallen, is broken, we see it all around us in our own lives, in our families, in the things we struggle with, that Jesus comes and affirms that God wants to remake all of this, that God is doing a work of redeeming and restoring what's broken around us. Jesus coming fully man affirms the fundamental goodness of God's creation. Would you look with me in those rearview mirrors today and see what God wants to show us there? Second thing we see in this passage is that God shows himself to us in that windshield, that clearest and most important demonstration of himself, his commands in this case. And we need to do a little housekeeping work before we walk through some of the things that are stated here in verses 7 and following. We'll try to do that quickly this morning. But we need to know two things. As we start to think about God's commands, His laws, if we're honest, 
we think about God giving laws and commands, we wrestle with what I call the Dukes of Hazard perspective. The Dukes of Hazard perspective is this. We tend to view God at least somewhere in the back of our mind. We're not going to say it out loud at church, but we, we think this way, and I do. That God is a little bit like that pesky boss hog. He's kind of caught up in himself and dishes out arbitrary commands. And so, like those Duke boys, we do well to make our way the only way we know how, even if that's what? Even a little bit more than the law would allow. Not a real grand philosophical statement, perhaps. But isn't that true, how we view God? So when we hear this psalm telling us, if you read it and thought about it as you were reading it carefully, the law of the Lord is perfect. The law, reviving the soul, the precepts, that's a kind of a, that's a real grading word. The precepts are right. They're supposed to rejoice the heart. How does that work? A couple of things that will help us to put it in perspective. First of all, the commands of God serve a couple of functions for us as believers or as those who are investigating the faith. The commands of law, one of the purposes is, is kind of like a diagnosis that you get when you go to the doctor. You know something's wrong. You know things aren't feeling quite correct. But you go in to the doctor and he does some tests and figures out what's wrong with you. And you don't always like to hear the diagnosis. You'd like to hear, you got a clean bill of health. But if you're sick, you need to hear the bad news. And the commands are kind of like that. They're a diagnosis for us. There's something, this is normal health. This is who we're supposed to be before the living God. This is how we're supposed to live our lives. Jesus summarized it in saying we're to love God with all our heart and mind and soul. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that's kind of the, the chart there that says what healthy Spiritual life, healthy walk with God looks like. And then the doctor helps us put that up against what's actually going on in our lives. And what does that do for us? What's the last thing we're going to ask the doctor after he gives, the, gives us that diagnosis? What's the medicine? What do I take for this? What's the procedure that I need to have to get cured of this? Well, That's what God's commands do for us in the spiritual sense. They teach us that we need to get some kind of cure. They also do one other important thing. They tell us how we should walk once we begin to apply that cure, how we should live our lives. So having put our trust in Jesus, having seen our need for a righteous sacrifice on our behalf, that we're sick in a spiritual sense and we need that healing that Jesus gives, then we say, okay, I know your plan and purpose is good for me, God. You're, you're not boss hog. You love me and care about me as a parent cares dearly for his child. Now, I want to walk with you. Show me what that looks like. With that in mind, take a look with me at these verses, and we'll move to a conclusion here for today. Verse 7, as I just read a minute ago, says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. Let me put that together with uh, the, the second half of verse 8. I'm sorry. The first half of verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, 
rejoicing the heart. This is telling us that God's commands can actually bring joy to us. They can actually revive us because when we see them, we see our need for Jesus all the more. We see the beauty of who Jesus is all that more greatly and see his love for us. They also revive us because they help us to go where we need to go. Again, some of us are doing some summer traveling. I know the Peters families here and there trying to rack up six, 7,000 miles on the minivan by the end of the summer, see if we can hit that goal. You know, we get the MapQuest direction. Some of y'all are high-tech and have the GPS thing, although my father-in-law recently was telling me they had a GPS and, and they were going on the beach trip and it was about a six-hour drive and the GPS was not working and it conveniently turned on about 15 minutes away from their final destination. <laughs> so sometimes those things don't work. Whatever you've got, we had an atlas in the car that was about 10 years old, so patients yesterday bought a new one. You get to an area, it doesn't matter how you're trying to find your way around GPS or MapQuest or an atlas, you get to some areas if you're traveling to a new place just about every time where you don't know where you are. You're trying to figure out where you're supposed to go, especially if you've got the kids in the van and all the stuff loaded up and you're trying to, everyone wants to get to the beach or everybody wants to get to this place or Disney World. Man, you want to get there. And how do you feel? Frustrated, very frustrating to try to make your way to a destination and not have a clear idea how to get there. God's commands revive us simply by giving us direction as to what it looks like to live our lives before the living God. That's a refreshing thing. It's frustrating to be lost without directions. One other thing in here I thought was Interesting, it resonated with me, uh, whether we're in, well, look with me at the passage first. Uh, the second half of verse 7 says, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Just, it's another word for commands. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I don't know where you are in life. But it seems the further I get through life and so forth, the more I realize how desperately I need wisdom, how really simple I am and that I need to become a more wise, whether you're dealing with parenting issues or working through things in your marriage or uh, you've got job responsibilities and decisions you've got to make there, whatever those things are, they they cry out and they say, uh, get some wisdom. You need some wisdom. So it's a beautiful thing that God's word tells us that we can have wisdom by looking at his commands And let me conclude with this. Look at verse 10 with me. With all this in mind, I think the Lord's hope for us as we read this psalm is that we would be able to begin to resonate with verse 10 to where God's commands, and we'll throw in His creation as well, It's to be desired more than gold, than much gold, that it's sweeter than honey, than drippings from a honeycomb. Instead of the ogre in the sky by and by or something begrudging for us, that it might be good and refreshing and reviving to us. And the psalmist says this, that if we begin to make use of that windshield fully as we're going down the road and use those rear view mirrors and try to travel down the pathway towards the Lord, 
that verse 14 might begin to be true of us in some way, that the words of our mouths, ever try to say the perfect thing at all times, mean the perfect thing when you say the perfect thing, that the, medita- the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we do praise you today that you are not a God who has left us in darkness, but you have chosen to reveal yourself to us that we can experience you and know you, know you now and through the work of Jesus Christ, know you on into eternity as well. Oh, Father, we pray that you would work in our hearts and lives. Show us yourself through these lenses, through these mirrors that are meant to show us who you are. Help us to look at them and see them. For places where we can't see, open our eyes that we'd see more clearly. And Lord, we pray that through that our lives would be transformed. We know you give us your word for your glory and for our good. Let us receive it and walk in it today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.